0: Welcome, everyone. This is the Council of Institutional Investors Educational Podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. I'm here today with Professor Kate Suslava of the Freeman College of Management at Bucknell University. Professor Suslava is one of the co-authors of a recent research paper entitled Disappearing Audit Disclosure Changes in the Reporting of Critical Audit Matters. Welcome, Professor. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today.
1: Hi, Jeff. Great to meet you. I'm happy to be on your podcast. And I'm excited to talk about the paper that I wrote together with Kristen Calabrese and Mary Durkin. They are assistant professors of accounting in the Knau School of Business at the University of San Diego.
0: So, Professor, can you start by explaining to our listeners what is a Critical audit matter and why is the disclosure of critical audit matters important to investors and the capital markets?
1: Sure. So in fact, investors didn't know what critical audit matters are until 2019. Before 2019, auditors will just issue an audit report. And in fact, audit reports would not really change much from year to year. So 98% of the companies in United States uh, would get what we call a clean audit opinion, pretty much saying that auditors, you know, reviewed financial statements and they're blessing, they are saying, okay, the financial statements look good enough for us. And you kind of, we are signing off on this financial statement. So that resulted in very boilerplate audit reports from year to year, and investors would just kind of scan and say, okay, another audit opinion doesn't tell us much. And that was kind of the criticism that auditors faced you know, auditors are preparing this audit opinions, which do not really show the findings of the audit or do not give investors a look into any type of kind of hairy accounting issues that every, let's face it, every company has some kind of complicated areas of accounting. And what happened in 2019 is that PCOB said enough is enough. Time to give auditors a voice and let them disclose something additional, which hopefully will vary from year to year. And this is what critical audit matters are. It's an opportunity for auditors to explain and present what were some challenging areas of accounting that they faced in this year's audit and uh, kind of describe those matters. So it can be one, two, three, four, whatever number of critical audit matters they encountered. So they would describe each one at a time and then also tell investors what auditors did in order to get comfortable with this uh, audit matter. And I'll give you an example of a critical audit matter that hopefully will make it more clear what critical audit matters are. For example, if a company is going through some kind of legal or regulatory hurdles, like it's facing some kind of lawsuit, for example, you know the recent opioid crisis that we are facing in the United States, has resulted in a number of regulatory and legal challenges for companies that were, in some shape or form, involved in distribution of medication, like pharmacies or uh, WalMarts of the world. And when they are faced with this regulatory kind of headwind, which might last for years, it's very difficult for accountants to come up with a number. How much is it going to cost the company to kind of deal with this issue? And in fact, for Walmart uh, in 2022, this was one of the critical audit matters that auditors are talking about. They are saying, hey... It's a complicated area of accounting, estimating how much money we will end up spending on this issue, how much money company will end up spending, and we identify this as a critical audit matter because of how complicated and subjective this is, uh, you know. And they would just include it as a paragraph in the audit opinion.
0: Professor, your study concludes that the reporting of critical audit matters is disappearing. So. Why is it disappearing? And what's the relationship, if any, between disappearing critical audit matter disclosures and the quality of the external independent audit?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. As I said, the first time auditors had a chance to disclose this critical audit matters was in 2019, 2020. And you know, that was the first wave of CAMs, as we call them critical audit matters cams. And then uh, next year, which was 2021-2022 reporting year, what my study finds, what our study finds is that both the number of CAMs and uh, the number of audit procedures described in those CAMs goes down year over year. So, so far, we only have a chance to observe two years of CAM disclosures. And this is what the data tells us. So we don't know the exact reason why they are disappearing. We just say, OK, they are disappearing. And it's a troubling trend uh, because we just started disclosing this critical audit matters just a year ago, right, or two years ago. And I do think that there is a connection between the disappearance of critical audit matters and kind of less attention to these areas and maybe less audit efforts dedicated to these areas, which our paper does show in terms of audit fees. So what we show is that the fewer critical audit matters a company is disclosing year over year, the lower the audit fees. And also we show that in the amount of time uh, that auditors spend auditing companies' financial statements. So on average, they are spending fewer, like two, three days fewer if a company has fewer critical audit matters. So that's just what our study kind of describes and observes. And we think this is an issue that should be studied further and examined further.
0: So, Professor, if, if you were the chair of the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, what, if anything, would you do to stem the disappearance of the disclosures of critical audit matters?
1: So I would definitely continue to monitor this because uh, we have so many publicly traded companies, thousands of companies, in fact, I would uh, use uh, natural language processing tools, and there are so many tools right now. Uh, For example, one of the tools I'm using currently in my work is called Pronto NLP, and it's basically a tool that allows somebody who is not a programmer to write rules to identify certain language patterns, for example, identify types of critical audit matters or identify types of audit procedures that auditors are performing in order to address this critical audit matter. So so that's the first thing. I would try to monitor these disclosures on a large scale and identify patterns across this the camps or time, you know, year over year. And then uh, second, I would educate the public more about uh, the significance of CAMS and the meanings of CAMS. And then finally, I would try to enforce it. And this is what PCOB is. They they do it every year. They have inspections of audit firms where they see and inspect how well auditors have performed their audits. And uh, this is an area definitely that PCOB is looking into because About one-third of the items they identify, the items of improvement, is, in fact, the lack or the absence of critical audit matters. So I think TCOB is on the case. I would just add that maybe using natural language processing tools might further enhance the work that they do.
0: Professor, final question. Your study includes some findings and a discussion of other research with respect to female audit engagement partners. So if I'm the chair of a corporate audit committee and have the ability to select between two equally qualified external audit engagement partners, and one is male and the other is female, based on the empirical evidence, who should I select and why?
1: (laughs) This is uh, an interesting question. Uh, Definitely, you will have kind of opportunities to hire a female uh, audit partners, because what we find in our study that it's definitely an area where we still have gender imbalance. Uh, so it's not 50-50. So most likely you won't have a chance to pick either a uh, you know a male or a female audit partner. But there are definitely advantages to hiring a female audit partners. So in general, uh, research finds that women tend to be more conservative in their decisions, in their economic decisions. And they also tend to be more ethical. So I would say there are definitely benefits. And what we find also in our study, there is an economic benefit. Uh, Female partners tend to uh, kind of ask for lower payment for, for their jobs. So audit fees tend to be lower for audit partners. And I have to make a disclaimer that our study covers the period of time when we were all in that COVID mode. And it's possible that this lower audit fees is a result of just kind of, again, gender imbalance. Maybe women were more busy with family engagement, taking care of kids, taking care of their households. So that might be basically the COVID effect. And another benefit is that when you hire a female partner is what we what we find is that they tend to give more cams. So uh, again, kind of goes well with that finding of uh, women being maybe more conservative and more ethical. And in accounting, being more conservative kind of indicates a higher quality of accounting and auditing.
0: That concludes our podcast episode on behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors. I want to again thank my special guest, Professor Kate Suslava of the Freeman College of Management at Bucknell University. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I dot Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, Please visit our website at www.cii.org.